To the Andy Staples Show, another abbreviated schedule edition. We're talking Big 12 today. We were thinking we might have a Big 10 schedule to talk about too, but that is uh, not quite here yet. But we've got a Big 12 schedule, sort of, and to talk about it, we've got Max Olson from The Athletic. Hi, Max. Well, hello, Andy. So, Max, we've got nine plus one. You know, they can't, they can't do a 10-game conference schedule because that would be kind of silly with a 10-team conference. Who, who would you like to play twice? So the Big 12 is going to have a non-conference game. The question is when, where, who. All that has to be figured out. And then also what has to be figured out is when the Big 12 teams will play because there were a few early season conference games. So you couldn't just say, okay, we'll start with what games we're going to be on September 26th and move forward. So they'll have to shuffle it a little bit. But was this about what you expected from the Big 12? Uh, it's, in some ways, it's a little bit surprising um, because, you know, as of Friday when the ADs last met to talk about this, there was kind of two camps that had emerged. Uh, there was one that said, hey, let's just play 10, 9 plus 1, uh, kind of stay in line with the rest of the Power 5 leagues. Um, and, you know, I can understand kind of the, the logic there, Um because it's, it's just a simpler thing to do than to be kind of the outlier of the Power Five. Uh, when you sort of build in more time off in September, can that help you from a health and, and safety standpoint with your players of kind of adjusting to player, you know, uh, students being back on campus and how you sort of maintain, uh, you know, your bubble within your program? Um, but there were some other folks who said nine plus one isn't enough, that um, they wanted the uh, ability to schedule up to three non conference games and play 12. Um, and that's not just because of sort of the, the, the revenue you'd make off of scheduling more non-conference games. It's, it's also because, and I think Bob Bullsby agreed with this in, in, in some ways that look, there's, there's going to be, I think we need to all learn from what's going on in major league baseball. There's most likely going to be cancellations, postponements, rescheduled games here at some point in this college football season, if we're able to get through one. Right. And so, you have to the, the the other camp was sort of thinking, what if we built in more flexibility? We started as early as week zero, which in hindsight seems a little crazy. And let's create like a 16 week window to try and play 10 to 12 games. Um, and if we need to manage cancellations and stuff, if we schedule 12 and we end up at 10, then it all worked out. Right. Um, but I think there's people nervous about that side of things. And ultimately, what went out is just kind of keep it simple. I think it would have been weird if the league, if if the the message was basically do whatever you want. I think you kind of need to keep things a little bit more uniform, uh, you know, within your conference. And uh, but a little surprised it's just nine plus one. Uh, it makes sense in, in certain keeping up with the pack here, but uh, I feel like it could have gone either way. Do whatever you want would have been pretty on brand for the Big Twelve. I feel like you know that's it's the league that hasn't really. <laughs> conformed in any other way and and you know they seem to kind of march to the beat of their own drummer normally so it that wouldn't have shocked the the, the week zero thing because that was what was interesting to me is when everybody else was talking about pushing back you had oklahoma and kansas yeah. schedule week zero games which uh, you know i obviously now probably not happening uh i know you had the theory that at one point you know 
Kansas-Southern Illinois might have been the only game of the 2020 college football season. And how wild would that be if they played that game and then everything shut down? Hey, if that if 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 Les Miles finishes one and zero, you got to extend him, right? That's a that's a winning season. They need that in Lawrence. You know, it's in his contract. Right? It's probably in Jeff Long's contract. He probably gets ten more years as the AD if they have a one and zero season. So I like your thinking. Yeah, I listen, listen. I, I they they have some very creative contracts at Kansas. So the, the I am uh, I am all for that. But yeah, I I was. I guess that's why I was a little surprised that the Big 12 went the way that the SEC went and the Pac-12 went and the ACC, that, that it looked so similar. The ACC obviously has the one extra conference game plus – or extra non-conference game plus 10 conference games. We know why that was. They were trying to save those ACC-SEC games at the end of the year, and the SEC ended up not wanting to do that. But with the Big 12 – what does this mean? Because you, you mentioned it doesn't look like the week zero games are going to have. When do you think they will start this season? Um, just from talking to ADs on, on Monday night, it seemed like the, the initial thought process was, hey, let's play a game like September 5th, uh, take two weeks off, and then go start conference play on the 19th. Now, the conference play is going to start either on the 19th or the 26th, I think, uh, based on what we've gathered. And, and look, if there's a bunch of setbacks and stuff um, in, in August, then maybe that changes. But I kind of think the thinking is you play one, uh, not week zero, because I think three weeks off, I mean, you, you know from playing any, like three weeks off between games would be too much, right? It's like having another camp. I, yeah, I don't, I don't see how that would work. I do understand where they would be coming from with play September 5th, wait a couple weeks, and then play again. Uh, that would, that would kind of make sense. And also because it gives you those September 5th games, if you play them, to figure out what's going on. To see if you can even play the other games. I mean, that that's the part that I thought the SEC hit on, and it was something that they talked about internally, is they wanted the NFL players to kind of be the guinea pigs. They would have to play a couple games first before any of the, the SEC games got played. And I, I, Pac-12 wound up doing the same thing. The ACC's not. They want to start September 12th, essentially. So, I yeah, I'll be curious to see what they do with this because – I don't know that there's a right answer on this. I, I really don't know if, and, and yeah. I don't know if there's any answer. I mean, if right, wrong, otherwise, because what you heard from the Big Ten was that they were going to do a 10-game schedule starting September 5th to give themselves basically 15 weeks to play 10 games. I'm not sure they're going to do that now. We don't actually know what they're going to do. So, you know, this, this is one of those that, I don't know that I can criticize the Big 12 for, for if they want to start earlier than everybody else because they may be right on that because they may get more flexibility out of that. Yeah, and they, they tried to build in their flexibility essentially at the, at the front end and the back end. So um, we'll see on when they decide to start conference play. Um, they, they could join you know the SEC and wait until the 26th if that's better. But there's also at the end of the season, um, you know they've got a Big 12 title game. That's scheduled for December 5th. Um, but with the model that they're adopting, they're open to moving that back uh, to December 12th or December 19th, which um, I don't know about you, Andy. I, I don't know that uh, going and sitting at a, a conference title game the week before Christmas, that seems a little odd, but um, even odder, they might not even play it at AT&T Stadium if that happens. They might have to move to the Texas Rangers' new ballpark because of scheduling conflicts at AT&T Stadium. Um, but they're trying to leave that open just in case, you know, what if December 5 ends up being the date uh, where you reschedule all sorts of conference games that, that may actually have some implications in that race. Exactly, and that's what uh, the the SEC put December 12th as that date. 
the ACC. I'll be curious if the ACC even bothers to play that non-conference game. They must say, they might just say, hey, Notre Dame, you can try to schedule Navy if you want, but the rest of us are just going to chill. Uh, they're trying to play them. I, I know that I think the Citadel and Clemson are supposed to still play, but I, yeah, the, the non-conference game feels pretty negotiable at this point. But let's, let's talk about the conference schedule because the Big 12 schedule, obviously, if they play a season, Oklahoma will be the favorite, five-time defending conference champion. But if the schedule is similar to the way the schedule was drawn up, Oklahoma may actually have the toughest draw because they have a stretch that goes Texas at Iowa State, Oklahoma State at TCU. A four-week stretch. If somehow they end up getting a, a bye week in the middle of all that, that could be a blessing for them because you have to play those four in a row. You are probably not going 4-0. and I don't care how good you are. Well, and they, you know, one of the outcomes here is that Oklahoma, they lose their non-conference game against Tennessee and they lose a road trip to Army, which I think we both know would have been incredible to watch, um, especially with how they played, you know, how Army played them a couple of years ago and played Michigan and all that. Um, So you you drop those two and now you're playing Bobby Petrino and Missouri State for your season opener, which is basically just a sort of scrimmage exhibition for you before you get rolling into Big 12 play. So... Oklahoma should be very, very fresh. It, obviously, it's interesting when you've got the quarterback situation and you've still got uh, – I mean, I think Spencer Rattler will certainly win the job, but you've still got him and Tanner Mordecai um, battling for that deal. And, and it'll be interesting to see you get one game from those guys to kind of warm up and then you go into league play. Yeah, and, and against some teams that are, are pretty veteran heavy. I mean, Texas has a, a senior fourth-year starting quarterback in Sam Ellinger. Brock Purdy's a third-year starter – at Iowa State, Oklahoma State, I think they were what they were going to seventeen starters from last year, including the best running back in the league and the best receiver in the league. I mean, I don't know. Do you think Lincoln Riley can get a quarterback ready for on short notice like this? <laughs> well, I, you know, Max, I don't know. It's he hasn't, he just hasn't shown that he can get a new quarterback ready and have that person produce as well as the oh wait no no wait every quarterback is wound up in New York for the Heisman yeah. ceremony no yeah. i yeah i'm not worried about Lincoln Riley but i do i do think that could add some intrigue to the conference race because you know otherwise we're we're just saying Oklahoma is probably running away with this thing but i i think bedlam might be the most interesting game on the conference schedule this year i i think you're right about that um and and it's it's going to be a lot of, i i know i mentioned this to you before on the on on your podcast but you go back and look at the Big 12 standings last year. Texas, Iowa State, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, they all played like top 25 teams at times last year, and I think were even all all, all ranked by the CFP at one point last season. And they all finished 5-4 and four in conference play. So these teams are going to beat each other up a little bit. It's it, it, you know Baylor ended up uh, emerging out of that 8-1, and one, um, which was so impressive. But it's going to be interesting to see, can any, you know, can you know Oklahoma can, but kind of like of those contenders, who can kind of come out of this thing unscathed? not just from dealing with injuries and dealing with uh, any COVID setbacks that could come, but just from playing each other. I mean, it, it's just, I think the the top half of the league, the, the top four or five, six teams um, are all going to be really competitive and pretty good this year. If you love barbecue, like you know I do, you know it takes a lot of time. You're working. You're maybe taking care of the kids while you work from home right now. It's tough. You don't have time to smoke something for 16 hours. Let me tell you a little bit about chicken ribs because you can get that same smoke flavor and a lot fewer calories, a lot less fat. So chickenribs.com 
Sounds weird. Chicken ribs? It's chicken thighs covered in pork rub, smoked, and they taste and eat like a rib. It's a huge hunk of meat on a small bone. Tastes very much like a pork rib, but a quarter of the fat, a lot less calories. Oh, by the way, really, really easy to get going because, listen, we we don't have time to smoke stuff, but if you go to chickenribs.com, they will send you your chicken ribs. You thaw them out. When you're ready, you put them in your air fryer, you warm them up on the grill, you warm them up in the oven, and they taste like they came right from the smokehouse. We know great barbecue tastes time, but chicken ribs makes it easy, fully cooked from the smokehouse, authentic barbecue ready in just minutes. Go to www.chickenribs.com, use the code ANDY today to get $10 off plus free two-day shipping. Who doesn't love perfectly smoked meat? Watching games now that they're back on TV? Or maybe you're just making dinner for the family. Chickenribs.com. Use the code Andy for $10 off plus free two-day shipping. Well, and the thing is, we're, we're not mentioning Texas Tech. We're not mentioning Baylor. Baylor played for the conference title last year. Yes, they've got a new coach in Dave Aranda, but those guys all were part of a team that played really well. And those guys have kind of run the gamut. I mean, they've, they've been terrible. They've been mediocre. And they've been really good. So that's a team that could be ready for anything. And they're, they're, they're totally rebuilding on defense. They lost uh, nine of their starters on D. Um, and, and certainly you're, you're making transition there with Aranda. But I've heard nothing but good things about how their offense has looked this offseason with Charlie Brewer. Um, you know, back as a senior, good running backs, uh, some good talent at, at receiver. Tyquan Thornton, I think, is about to be a breakout guy. So, yeah, I mean, Baylor's going to score some points and be competitive for sure. And the other thing is I, I, nobody talked about this last year because – it was a first-year coaching situation. We were worried about teams that were you know, competing for conference titles. But Neil Brown worked a miracle winning five games at West Virginia last year. So that tells me he was doing some Jedi mind-tricking on those dudes, making them feel like they were better than they were. And now he's had a full offseason to do that. Oh, I mean, that's it's just the classic year one team where – they were better in October than they were in September, and then they were pretty good in November, you know, and and, and were able to, you know, pull some upset wins and, and found their quarterback in uh, Jarrett Diggy. So, yeah, I think they're going to be a problem too. And, um, you know, I think Texas Tech getting Alan Bowman back, I think, um, and just the, the guys he has around him, uh, again, that's another offense that you figure with what they have, they should score a lot more points this year. Yeah, and it's crazy. This It feels like a million years ago that Cliff Kingsbury coached in the Big 12. It wasn't. He actually coached Alan Bowman in games, and he said Alan Bowman is one of the smartest quarterbacks he's ever had. So I I think that's one of those that the quarterback play in this league this year is going to be really, really good. Oh, when that kid kid got rolling as a freshman, he was really, really good. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I'm kind of excited to see what Ellinger looks like, what, what, what Brewer looks like in Larry Fedora's offense, because, you know, Larry Fedora... At North Carolina, it did not end well. There was some horrific injury luck. They had to try to recruit through the academic scandal the whole time. But here's the thing. When Larry Fedora had a full-strength offense, whether it was at North Carolina or Southern Miss or when he was the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma State, those offenses ripped it up. And you've already got a bunch of guys who were good on offense last year at Baylor, and most of them are back. Yeah, other than losing uh, Denzel Mims, that offense is, is pretty much all back. The offensive line is going to be better. 
And he, you know, it's it's pretty cool because it's it's not just the Larry Fedora offense, but they also brought over uh, George Munoz from LSU to be their passing game coordinator. And so he spent a lot of time watching Larry Fedora's UNC offense this offseason, but he's also spent a lot of time watching Joe Burrow. And I think they're going, I think you're going to see some of the elements uh, that made LSU so effective in the passing game last year. I think you see them kind of copycat some of that stuff too. Yeah, that's what, I mean, we we talked a lot. Bruce Feldman and, and Stuart Mandel and I had our, our group text about the, the SEC and its 10-game schedule and, and how people need to reset their expectations. But this is interesting because they do this every year. This is what the Big 12 does. They've managed to have a one-loss conference champ through, through all this. I, I'm actually a little surprised that there haven't been more years since they started doing this full round robin that the Big 12 champ has been a two-loss team. Do you think this year with it with it compressed the way it is that that may be the case? Oh, well, it's funny when they were bringing back the Big 12 title game, I was the skeptical dude who was like this is going to backfire on them. Um and so far it hasn't. I mean, the the favorite going into the Big 12 title game, um which has always been Oklahoma, has won every time, you know? So you haven't had that Big 12 uh, you know, championship outcome that sort of screws you up for the playoffs so far. So, um maybe we're due for one of those, but uh, yeah, it has it has worked out pretty well. Uh, it helps to have Heisman quarterbacks and you know one of the best coaches in the country. That helps you make that make that run. But um, it's you know it's it's I th- I think in in Austin and in Stillwater, there's a lot of belief that they have a Big Twelve title caliber team that can hang with Oklahoma this year. And uh, and so I think that just the the three of them battling is going to be so fun. D- does this league need it to be somebody other than Oklahoma? Every once in a while, because that's the one thing, you know, Oklahoma is interesting because they are dominant within the Big 12. They got shelled in the playoff this year. But, you know, I, I think you look at the Orange Bowl against Alabama, you take away the first couple drives. That was actually a fairly even game. You know, they, they lose a shootout against Georgia in the Rose Bowl. It, it's They're not as far away as they felt when they were playing LSU this year. But I kind of feel like there needs to be somebody that challenges them a little more to push them to that level where whoever comes out of the Big 12 can compete with the teams that are coming out of the Big 10 and coming out of the SEC. Yeah, it's 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 a good point. Um, you know, Oklahoma definitely did have some scares last year. You lose to Kansas State. Um, you could have lost to Iowa State. Um, there, there was a couple there that were, you know, you certainly could have lost to Baylor uh, in either of those games. Um and and I think kind of I, honestly I think for what they did last year with Jalen Hurts it was um, probably Lincoln Riley's best coaching job offensively it was just unbelievable what they transformed into around him and that gives me a lot of confidence that they're going to figure it out um, you know with Rattler being so young but um, yeah I mean I, I I Baylor gave them as good of a fight as as you're going to see um, stop them I mean held them held their scoring way way down in both of those games um, and still couldn't find a way to pull it off so. Um, yeah, I think there's. I think it's there's definitely room in the Big Twelve for some, especially defensive uh, team to show up. Maybe that's TCU finally bouncing back, um, you know, or maybe it's Oklahoma State and Texas just having more experienced guys coming back this year um, that can can really you know contend with what Oklahoma is bringing offensively. Well, I feel like Texas is flying under the radar because they obviously did not have the season they expected to have last year. They replaced both coordinators. It this was. It felt like Tom Herman hitting, you know, hitting the get out of jail free card, maybe a little earlier than than you'd think, because I, I didn't think he would be in any sort of trouble at that point. And let's be honest, there, I don't think any coach is going to be judged on wins and losses this year. 
I think it's one of those just don't get arrested and you keep your job kind of years. But, you know, he didn't know that when he made all those changes. And so you come back, you, you've got a, a you're going to have a first round offensive lineman at Texas, probably in, in Sam Cosme. So that's the first one of those in forever. Uh, you're going to have what appears to be a decent run game. Uh, Joseph Asai as a, as a pass rusher, you know, you're probably going to have somebody who can get to the quarterback. I feel like this is a team, and, and I don't want to do the Texas is back thing because it's it's tired. Can you can you like? Nobody wants. Are to you able it. to like play a drop when you say that on this uh, this podcast? Uh, I wish of, <laughs> of Sam Ellinger saying it on stage. or of the yeah or after the Notre Dame game. Oh, I don't I don't want to talk okay. about that. The, that was my so my friend Anwar Richardson. We used to work together at the Tampa Tribune. Yeah. He had gone and covered the NFL. Big for a fan long of Anwar. Time. Yep, for sure. He gets a he gets a job covering Texas for Orange Bloods. His first game that he covers is that Notre Dame game, and I'm there covering it. And Texas wins, and we're sitting there waiting for for Charlie Strong to come talk in the press conference. And I go, well, at least you won't have to cover a coaching search this year. <laughs> he covered a coaching. Did search you? Then. I'm trying to remember. Did you go over to like that was like a late night Sunday night? Didn't you go over to Twenty Four Diner or something like that with Ubbin? Me and David Ubbin, right. me and me and the athletic zone, David Ubbin, were the, the, uh, the you know four a.m. chicken and waffles is a is a power move there for sure. It was that was a great night. That was a great. It was a fun game to cover. We just didn't realize both teams were not good. It was an incredible game to cover. I mean, it was. It, I, it's too bad they didn't like replay that on TV this spring when they were sort of like throwing all the throwbacks up on ESPNU because that I think game that's was so fantastic much, that's to cover. So painful for both programs because yeah, Notre Dame doesn't want to watch anything from that year for sure. No, because because anything that reminds them of that season is just you know out the window. And then the Texas people don't want to see that either because they know what happened next. It's crazy to think. It's crazy to think how long ago that was too because that was Shane Bouchelle's first game and he's still in college. I hope he's a doctor. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he's. he's That's one of those. Be on every time I see that Shane Bouchelle is is at SMU, I'm just like, well, how? What? But how is that possible? What is he a dentist? Is he a lawyer? Because he should not still be there. He's gonna but be he really is. good this year, man. I think he. I think they're set up to be. I mean, they were fantastic offensively last year, but I think he's in for a big year for sure. It's crazy, man. Good. Interesting. Charlie Strong, Interesting Texas football situation in the Metroplex. <laughs> that's right. Well, let, let's talk about the other quarterback in the Metroplex, and that's that's Max Duggan. I mean, it seems like TCU kind of figured themselves out there last year. Yeah, I, I think you know it's interesting when you when you throw a true freshman into that and and put that much pressure on him. Um, it's it's kind of unfair because when you fail, it's just like oh that kid's just being a freshman. But um, I I think he's going to be a lot better as a sophomore. You know, they added JD Spielman from Nebraska. They added Zach Evans, the the five star running back recruit, um, who who could be really really special. Um, I think they've got with Tay Barber and Tavalence Hunt and some of the guys they have around him. I think that offense should be better. I'm interested to see. You know, they brought Doug Meacham back onto the staff, which you don't really see very often. Um, after a spill like that happens, um, I think him and Sonny Cumbie working together again uh, could be could be a good thing. So yeah, it's I I think they should be better, and, and defensively they're always going to have dudes. We have a new sponsor called Artifact, and this is a really, really cool idea. Basically, you can make your own personalized podcast episodes about whatever you want. Give them to friends, to family. I would give any amount of money, any amount of money, to have my mom talking about her life so that my kids could listen to it. She passed away before they were born, and 
I've told them all about her, but I would love to hear her voice talking about her life. You can do something like that with Artifact Now. You don't even think about it right now, but it's one of those things that you will cherish and love. All you have to do, do what I did. You go to heyartifact.com, you tell them a few basic things about what you want the artifact to be about and invite folks for interviews. It was really easy. It took a few minutes. I'll be sharing my personal episode with you when it's ready, but for now, you can go to heyartifact.com and hear some samples. There's a ton of ways to use Artifact to capture stories with your friends and family. And when you're ready to make an Artifact of your own, use the code ANDY to get $48 off your first one. That's heyartifact.com and use the code ANDY for $40 off. It's a great idea. There's so many different ways to use this. Family histories. I don't know. Maybe you you are going to propose to somebody and you're going to do the story of how you met, and then you're going to talk to, to their parents and interview them and your friends and interview them, and at the end, you pop the question on Artifact. Who wouldn't want that? That, that is the ultimate keepsake. Go to heyartifact.com, code Andy, and give it a try. Yeah, that, that's one that we're just not talking about them very much other than the off-the-field stuff, the, the Gary Patterson stuff this week, but... It seems like that, when all of the information got out, we realized, okay, that they're going to move past that. But I don't think that helps Gary Patterson going forward. But in terms of, of this team that he's got right now, I feel like we're probably underselling them in terms of a team that can that can have an impact on this race. Yeah, I mean, I, it certainly seemed like uh, based on, you know, it was sort of weird to watch all that unfold on Twitter, basically all of it on Twitter uh, on Monday. But it seemed like they landed in a place by the end of the day uh, where Gary Patterson met with his senior leaders um, and his leadership committee and his team and everything. And sort of I think they figure out how to move forward from that. I don't know what more you can say other than he shouldn't have said the word in any context. And, and I think they held him accountable for that. But um interested to see kind of how it's they responded. Very to that similar go- to the. Yeah. Yeah, very similar to the Danny Pearman situation at Clemson that came out this year but happened several years ago. And he's still there, but it was the fallout from that is, is now something that they're dealing with. So I, I imagine he'll have to deal with it. But it, that was one of those stories that back in the, back in the days when, when we wrote for newspapers and before you threw stuff online and there was social media, you would have been able to get a bunch of different sides of that story and, and put together a complete whole story for the next day's newspaper. That's one of those that came in pieces and you saw one side of it, then another side of it, then another side of it, then another side of it. And it was, it's, it's really interesting that dynamic now, because a lot of times it feels like the first side of the story that comes out is the one everybody just goes with. But you got you still have to try to get all of it. In. Well, it's hard. I mean, it Gary Patterson ultimately ended up saying nothing on Monday, so it's hard to sort of like. No, I, you see a lot of people kind of jump to you know giving the benefit of the doubt there, but he didn't put out any statement until Tuesday morning. So it's kind of hard to, it's hard to kind of know how to size that up when that happens. You know, it, well, exactly. I mean, that, that's the thing. It, it was one of those that you you had a, a very you know, kind of bombshell first piece of information. And you're just like, Oh, okay. What's, what's going on here. And then you, you get more of it. And look, there is never an excuse to say what he said. You, you, you should know that you should know better than, than to say, say it the way he said it. Cause I, I don't care what your intent was or what you meant. You should just know better. 
And that's something he's going to have to deal with in recruiting going forward. But, you know, it's, it's one of those that it seems like the, the players on the team and he have at least made peace with it. Yeah. I mean, well, and we've seen this offseason, like with Oklahoma State, you know, you could have all those players saying, hey, we are not going to go practice until, you know, all these changes happen, right? It, those guys, it seemed like they were able to sort of, um, I don't want to say nip it in the bud, but just sort of deal with it right away. And ultimately, you saw most of their players, you know, backing their head coach on this. So obviously an unfortunate thing. I'm sure he would uh, take it back in a heartbeat. But, um, you know, something that you even in doing this 20 years, years you're still going to make mistakes like that, you know. You shouldn't, and that, I mean, ultimately, there's. It's interesting. I don't. I mean, do you feel like it's okay that there's no consequences for that? Yeah, you should know better. I think there are going to be consequences for that. I think there will be long-term consequences, kind of market-based consequences, where you know it, the the next yeah. time that that he is trying to recruit somebody, and uh, if I'm another coach, I'm going to bring that up because I'm going to say, look, do do you want to go play for a guy who just throws that word around like that? Because I don't care what context it was in. In 2020, you, you ought to know better. I mean, seriously. Right. It should not pass yep. your lips. So that, that's the thing. I, I think there's a longer tail to that than people realize. Yeah, I think you're right about that. And especially in that state um, where the recruiting is so competitive and the negative recruiting happens all the time. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you're right about that. So... What do we think is going to happen now? When when I say that, it's it's hard to it's hard to do because when we say what's going to happen, ultimately we don't know if any games are going to get played. So let's assume that this schedule that the Big Twelve has put together gets played. Who do we think winds up playing for the title at the end of the year? Okay, so first of all, I mean, you know how this is, man. Like, it's just all day by day, right? We're just crossing our fingers every day that this can work. So I think what we're going to see in the next few days is these schools are all going to schedule extremely easy non-conference games uh, against FCS teams or, or low group of five teams. A bunch of those have already been figured out. Um, you know, West, West Virginia is going to play Eastern Kentucky. Oklahoma is going to play Missouri State. So there's going to be a lot of those easy ones. And then I guess the hope is you – you know, you play that game, you take a couple weeks, you, you hope to kind of avoid any big problems and shutdowns. Um, and then I think this conference race is going to be fantastic if we can pull it off. You know, um, I we're probably not talking about K-State enough. We're probably not talking about TCU enough. Um, that, that's probably always the case uh, in this and, conference. And Iowa State, we're kind of yeah. picking trendy again this year. Uh, not, We're not saying they're, they're a trendy pick to play for the Big 12 title, I think, because just because Oklahoma State brings back so much and just because Texas is bringing back so much. But I do feel like Iowa State, under the right circumstances, could be there at the end. For sure, yeah. I mean, we, we certainly know they're capable of beating anybody in the Big 12 because they've beat pretty much everyone in this league over the last couple of years at least once. Um, can they become the contender where everything kind of clicks and the, the depth you starts to show and they have good luck with injuries and all that? Uh, it'd be fascinating to see. I think they've built this all towards this being a big year for them too. Um Ultimately, I feel like it, it comes down to you know Oklahoma in that game. I think you just have to continue to give them the benefit of the doubt that they figure it out, especially if they're going to be better uh, in some ways with you know a second year under Alex Grinch defensively. Um, and then for Texas Oklahoma State, I mean, to, I, I picked Oklahoma State Texas or Oklahoma State second on my Big Twelve preseason ballot, mm-hmm. but 
I don't know, man. Them and Texas, they played a really good game last year against each other. Texas won that in Austin. Um, I think that head-to-head matters a lot ultimately in this race. I think so too. I I think that may be the one that decides, you know, sort of like Oklahoma-West Virginia was was a knockout game for the for the title a cup for the title game a couple yeah. years ago. Yeah. Texas Oklahoma State might be a knockout game for the Big 12 title game. I, I just think that could be fun. And look, if Oklahoma State is as good as they look like they're gonna be, two doses of bedlam this year could be a very fun thing. Yeah, and, and Oklahoma State did not lose much off of that team. Um I I, I as long as they've got you know, a healthy Tylen Wallace, and they've got Chuba uh, rolling along here. I think Spencer Sanders is going to be better as a sophomore, um, just less turnover prone to take care of the ball a little bit more. Um, I think they're going to be really, really good. If if that team, and now obviously they've got their own sort of internal issues that they've got to try and avoid too. You know what I mean? Because we've, we've all of that played oh, yeah. out so we publicly sort of blew this past summer. That <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, but if they're, I mean, if they're right, I, I think they're probably the second best team in the Big Twelve. Just because the thing with Texas, as good as their new staff may be, like, like for example, you, you know, Chris Ash is is renowned for his rugby style tackling. They haven't done any rugby style tackling this entire offseason. No, there's, there's a lot of practice that's required to, <laughs> so to do that. How how do you get really really good at that with one month of practice and one non conference game? You know what I mean? Um, as as much as they're better on defense and in, in terms of being more experienced and all that. Um, I just wonder if the, the coordinator stuff, if there's just a little bit of growing pains with that in year one. Um, as I wrote this week, there's been, there hasn't been a single power five team in the last decade that hired two new coordinators and won a conference title in the same year. No, it's 2017 Notre Dame is probably the, the best improvement of, with a staff overhaul like that. So Gus did it in year one at Auburn, but that's kind of a, that's the ultimate outlier, you know, with a yeah. new staff. Nick Marshall's not walking through that door, Max. Yeah. (laughs) Well, if they can play these games, this is going to be a very, very exciting season. And we'll see what happens. We don't know if they're going to play them. But hey. Fingers crossed, man. It's going to be pretty soon if they do. So could get nuts pretty quick. Max Olson, thank you so much. Thanks, man. Thanks, man.